You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. This is episode number 25 of the Eagles podcast that takes a deep dive into what's going on inside the NFC East. And boy, oh boy, do we have some stuff to talk about this week. I thought we would be leading off the show this week talking about Dak Prescott's contract situation, and I've got blogging the boys RJ Ochoa coming up here in just a few minutes to talk about what it means be that Prescott did not sign a long-term extension and that he's going to play this year on the franchise tag. For, thought for sure that was going to be the big news, but <laughs> oh, that Washington football team, they just can't stand not being the A story, can they? So we're going to get to Dak Prescott here in just a second, but The last time we spoke, a week ago, Washington was considering changing their team name. They were doing a thorough review of the Redskins' name, and uh, since that time, they announced earlier this week that on Monday, they were officially going to drop the name Redskins from the the NFL franchise's uh, website, uh, the logo, everything else. They were were done with Redskins, and they were going to move on, and they were going to pick a new name. And we we still don't know what that name is, that we were hoping we would get an answer on that on Monday. I did see reports that the name that they prefer is locked up in some kind of trademark battle, so who knows exactly when it's going to be ready. For now, we just refer to them as the Washington franchise or the Washington team. But that wasn't even the big news of the week. On Thursday, a bombshell report drops in the Washington Post, which claims 15 former female employees and two journalists who covered the team have accused team staffers of sexual harassment and verbal abuse. And now Washington has launched an internal investigation into those allegations that appeared in the Washington Post on Thursday afternoon. The newspaper obtained screenshots of text messages in which Richard Mann II, the team's assistant director of pro personnel, made inappropriate sexual comments to a female employee. Mann was fired in the past week, and and Mann's firing, um, as as well as the firing of Alex Santos, who was the director of player personnel, you you don't fire these guys in July. If you're going to if you're going to make a change in the front office, it's usually done right after the draft. You you don't you don't fire guys in this position at this time on the NFL calendar, unless something crazy is going down. And so when those guys got fired this week, you you could sense something building. Um, Former employees also accused Larry Michael, the team's former senior vice president of content and their radio play-by-play announcer for the last 16 years of talking about the attractiveness of a college intern in 2018 when he was being recorded for a team video. Owner Daniel Snyder and former team president Bruce Allen were not directly implicated in the sexual harassment allegations that were brought by the female employees and reported by the Post, but Snyder was criticized for fostering what was called a culture in which that behavior was permitted. 
Now, a number of different news organizations reached out to Washington asking them about the allegations, and they just referred to their to their comments in the Washington Post article saying that the team had hired a D.C. attorney to help conduct a thorough and independent review of the matter and to help the team set new employee standards for the future. I'm not quite sure why you need an outside law firm to help you uh, set employee standards for the future. It should be pretty obvious. Don't sexually harass women. This really isn't that hard. It's it's called being a, a normal, good human being. The Post said it conducted interviews with more than 40 current and former employees, and 14 of the 15 accusers told the newspaper they had signed non-disclosure agreements, which is why they couldn't use their names in the piece, because they were worried that uh, they would uh, face lawsuits if their names were used. Uh, Director of Player Personnel Alex Santos, again, was one of the people mentioned in the story, and he's no longer with the team. Former business executives Dennis Green and Mitch Gershman were also mentioned in the Washington Post story. So here you've got another Washington NFL scandal. I mean, this franchise, they're, they're, you know, if you're picturing dirt, Okay, you're you're picturing your 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 front yard or a big a big pasture, and you're 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 seeing green grass laid out all in front of you. What you have to imagine is that the Washington franchise is not just the dirt underneath all of that grass. It's not it's not the dirt further down, where where the roots grow thin and and worms live. It's it's not it's not even that. It's it's not. In, in the pipes or the sewage that runs underneath all of that ground. It's 50 feet of crap below that. And that's where this Washington franchise is right now. It, it really, they, this is at the moment, and it's really sad, even as Eagles fans, you know, it, you, it's really sad to see where Daniel Snyder has taken this franchise since he took over in 1999. Not only are they bad on the field, and they have been bad on the field year after year after year. Not only do they bungle the football side of this, it also appears that they have created such a toxic culture and a work environment that allows for this kind of nonsense. And, and let's, let's also be clear about something else. This isn't only happening here in Washington, D.C. This is not the only sports franchise in which female employees are subjected to sexual harassment, are subjected to unwanted uh, approaches, unwanted touching, um, where they're made to feel uncomfortable just so that they can do their job. This is a sports thing. It's not in every. It's not in every franchise. It's not in every team. There, I'm. I'm sure there are many teams. I hope. I hope the Eagles are a a franchise that has a culture uh, that is a, a direct 180 from this. It. It certainly. You know, I'm, I would imagine Jeffrey Laurie is very um, is very aware uh, and and socially conscious, and you would think that uh, the Eagles have a a culture that would not uh, allow something like this to go unpunished. But you can't. I mean, there there are how many employees work in an organization? You you it's going to be very hard to get a one hundred percent buy in from from everybody, and that everybody's going to do everything right all the time. But there's a difference between some some random acts occurring and if they're dealt with swiftly then then you know you've got a culture in place uh, rather than a situation here where you have you have the team firing a couple of of long of longtime personnel guys because they have to because they know a Washington Post story is coming out where the play-by-play guy has to resign because this story is coming out that's that's a totally different ball game so what we're seeing here is that this Washington team not only has issues on the field, there are massive issues 
off the field. And where is Daniel Snyder? How how is Daniel Snyder not every was how was he not everywhere yesterday? Talking about how they're going to change the culture, how they're going to how they're going to change things, how they're going to how they're going to turn this franchise around. Instead, the team just released a statement without quoting anybody. You know, if this had been the Eagles, I think I think Jeffrey Lurie for sure would have been out there condemning it. But it's pretty clear that this is that this has been a part of the culture in that organization that that Daniel Snyder has allowed this to go on. So will this be the straw that forces Daniel Snyder to sell the team? It really takes a lot for all 31 other NFL owners to force another owner out. It's going to take a lot. But have we gotten there? I mean, this is this team is the laughing stock of the NFL right now. It's it's hard to it's hard to put into words how far this franchise has fallen and it's not good for the NFL. This is still I think like the seventh most valuable franchise in the NFL according to Forbes. This is still a valuable franchise. This is still a marketable team if it can ever get its head out of its rear end. So it's crazy to me that Daniel Snyder has not been out front. Maybe he's not worried about the other owners kicking him out. Maybe they're maybe they're not and and how do you how do you pressure Daniel Snyder to sell the team? I mean, it seems pretty clear to me that Daniel Snyder has no has no care whatsoever about about public perception. He's driven by one thing and that's the money. They would not have changed the team name if FedEx and Pepsi hadn't urged him to do it and if Nike and other te- another uh, licensed apparel uh, uh, sellers hadn't stopped selling jerseys and t-shirts with the name Redskins on it I just don't see this as being enough to force Daniel Snyder to to own the team I mean to to uh, give up ownership of the team it's it, it would it, it's going to have to come from the other owners maybe this is the straw that breaks the camel's back maybe this is what does it I, I doubt it I have a hard time seeing it but you know this is uh this is a big story this is a very big story. And so one of the other interesting angles of this story is how Washington fans are receiving this story. And they are not, I mean, Washington fans are never happy when a story like this comes out. This obviously is a another black eye on the franchise. And I think I think most NFL fans, most Washington fans don't want to see women being harassed in the workplace and 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 believe that uh, the culture in Washington needs to change. But anytime there's a story that comes out that's critical of Daniel Snyder, and anytime there's a story that comes out that paints Snyder in a negative light, Washington fans see it as ammunition to getting him out of the nation's capital. So the story was not met with cheers from Washington fans, but it was met with indignation because these fans want Snyder out of here. They want him gone. They are so desperate for him to be out because they know, they see the direct correlation between when this team went in the tank and when Daniel Snyder took over the team in 1999. The two are absolutely related. So they, And as I remember rooting for the Eagles back in the late 80s and early 90s when Norman Brayman ran the team, the hatred for Snyder among DC fans here is comparable, if not superior, to the hatred that Eagles fans had for Norman Brayman back in the late 80s and early or early 90s. And uh, if you were not around, if you were not alive, if you were not sports cognizant during that time in Eagles history, it's it's really hard to wrap your mind around how hate how much hatred there was for the Eagles owner by by Eagles fans. Norman Brayman was cheap. He was a penny pincher. Uh, he was uh, Buddy Ryan used to call him that guy in France. He was a guy who would spend all of his time in France and, and was as was barely ever here in, in, in Philadelphia. And he was a guy who absolutely refused to spend money on players. 
And one of the reasons those great teams, those great Buddy Ryan teams, never were able to, were not able to keep the run going in the early 90s is because Norman Brayman resisted free agency in the NFL and refused to participate in it because he, he didn't want free agency to take hold. And so they lost Reggie White to the Green Bay Packers and they lost Keith Jackson to the Miami Dolphins. They, they, started, they started shedding all these great players from, from, those, uh, from those early 90s teams that made the Eagles perennial Super Bowl contenders. He, he refused. He, abs- he just completely refused to invest money in the football team. And he used to, he used to complain that the Eagles were a small market team. This was a, it was a cheap owner. This was a cheap, a, a, a guy who was trying to run the Philadelphia franchise on a shoestring budget when he didn't have to because he just wanted to make all the profit that he could. And he was hated in Philadelphia. I've never seen an owner hated so much. He was hated so much that that Eagles fans were desperate for Leonard Toast to take the team back. Toast who had who had to sell the team because he had massive gambling debts and 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 couldn't keep couldn't keep owning the team and he had to sell the team in order to pay off his his gambling debts. They they wanted Toast back. They wanted Eagles fans wanted anybody but Norman Brayman to be running the franchise. Uh, and and when Jeffrey Lurie came, most of you only know Jeffrey Lurie as an owner. Trust me. Lurie's a great owner. The Eagles fans are lucky to have Jeffrey Lurie as the owner of this football team because I remember what it was like before Lurie came around. I remember the Norman Brayman days. And it is no fun to root for a sports team when you absolutely detest the owner because you know the owner is taking the team down. You know he's taking him down the tubes. Daniel Snyder has taken this Washington team down the tubes and, and Washington fans know it and they are desperate to get rid of him. And I, I got to say, you know, Washington is lucky that they have Ron Rivera on board right now. I don't know if Ron Rivera knew what he was getting into when he signed on. And, you know, when we were talking about the, the Washington head coach job, head coaching job before the start of the season, I wonder, you know, who takes this job? Given, given everything that's happened in this organization over the last 20 plus years, the lack of success on the field, this, the seeming craziness that always seems to be going on in the front office, why would you want to be the head coach? You are set up to fail. But Ron Rivera, who had a lot of success in Carolina as head coach of the Panthers, came on board, and he's dealing with all this now. And there are some people who who really excel in crisis management. I hope Ron Rivera is one of them for Washington's sake. They are lucky they have him. He's a guy who's got integrity. He's from the outside outside the organization. Um, he said that he was brought on to help bring a culture change uh, to to Washington. So he's going to be the guy. He's they're basically making him the point man, the point spokesperson for the franchise, and, and maybe that's for the best because Daniel Snyder is so hated in this town. There really is nothing he could say that's going to get that's going to get the fan base uh, back on his side. And so Ron Rivera did say that the biggest thing we the biggest thing that they have to do is move forward from this and make sure everybody understands we have policies that we will follow and that we have an open door policy with no retribution. And Ron Rivera also added this. He said, "Plus, my daughter works for the team." And I sure as hell am not going to allow any of this. And you believe Ron Rivera when he says something like that. You believe that he's actually going to take control of the situation. And maybe that's what Washington needs. Maybe that's what this franchise needs in order to get itself back on track is is some stability morally from somewhere in the executive front office coaching staff area. Because it sure looks like there, there, there has been absolutely none of that. Uh, since Daniel Snyder took over. I do want to mention one other aspect of this story, and that was when this story hit in the Washington Post, a lot of people read it and said, that's it? That's all? The reason for that, and this is a very serious story. These are very serious accusations, and, and, and the Washington franchise needs to be held accountable for all of them. But 
there was rampant speculation on Reddit, on Twitter, on Facebook, on social media that was detailing a whole lot worse than this. Detailing, I don't even want to get into everything that it was detailing, but uh, sexual harassment was among the, the least of the accusations that were being carelessly thrown around by a lot of different people. A lot of people in the D.C. media, uh, there was a, a this, this the sports reporter at WJLA, the ABC affiliate in here in D.C., who went on the air talking about, you know, there's a lot, there are some pretty horrible things that are going to come out about Washington, about the Washington football team, and I can't talk about it because I don't know the exact specifics, but it's really, really bad, and you're going to... If you don't know the specifics, if you're not reporting on them, if you're not able to go with your sources, stop talking. If you've got a story, report it, but don't hide behind we're hearing rumors, dot, dot, dot. This is going to be really bad, dot, dot, dot. If you're a journalist and you're covering a story like that, unless you've got the sources, unless you're ready to report it, just be quiet. Just be quiet and wait for it to come out. Don't put yourself in a position. Listen, this is Journalism 101. Don't put yourself in a position to look foolish. To, to put yourself in a position where you have to retract something. The, the rush to be first or the rush to seem like you're in the know can be very tempting. It can be, it can be very attractive. I get that. I mean, sometimes I get information. I've gotten information from people before, but they ask me not to use their name and they, it's only one source. So you don't go with it. So you, you hold on to it and you just, you know, I'm, my job is not to break news. So I'm not under the pressure of having to do that. But when you when you don't have when you don't have it you don't have it if you have it then go with it and the washington post had the story nobody else had the story the washington post had the story and they waited to run with it until thursday afternoon they did that for a reason obviously if somebody else had the story you report the news you report the facts as you have them and you move on the speculation leave that to reddit that's what reddit's for reddit is for wild accusations that typically probably don't have a whole lot of basis in fact Okay, and that's why Reddit exists in this world for all that nonsense. Because what it did also was minimize the actual story, which has which contains a number of serious accusations in it. That's the that's the most damaging thing about it is that you they 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 minimize the actual impact of this story. In the rush to try and to 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 try and lambaste Daniel Snyder, rightfully so, they maybe actually even did him a favor. Because for a lot of people, it's not going to compare to the rumors, and so it's not going to feel like as big a deal. So if, if the idea behind going out and, and trying to get ahead of this thing was to make Daniel Snyder look even worse and to run him out of town even faster, getting it wrong or hinting at something else that didn't turn out to be at least reportable, it might be true, but it wasn't reportable, makes it seem like less of a story. And so you only shoot yourself in the foot. At the end of the week here... We look back on this week for the Washington football team, and no, it's not. It has not been a good week of football here in the nation's capital, and that's before this team that will probably be one of the worst in the NFL even takes the field here in 2020. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk to RJ Ochoa from Blogging the Boys about the Dak Prescott franchise tag. Prescott uh, and the team was not able to come to an agreement on a long-term deal. They now have to wait until next offseason, so... He will play out the 2020 season on the $31.4 million franchise tag. We'll get into the winners, the losers. Did Prescott make the right decision? Did the Cowboys screw this up? Well, we will get into all of that with RJ coming up after the break here on Eye on the Enemy. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking. From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And joining me to talk a little bit about what's going on with the Dallas Cowboys and the Dak Prescott contract is the great RJ Ochoa from the Dallas Cowboys SB Nation site blogging the boys. You can follow him on Twitter at RJ Ochoa, a prolific tweeter and prolific writer for blogging the boys. RJ, thanks for coming back on Eye on the Enemy, man. How are you? I'm doing well, John. It's good to be with you. Hope you and yours and everybody at BGN is doing well these days. Yeah, we're doing good. You know, we are navigating our own uh, little crucible with the Deshaun Jackson stuff. And so we've we've got our own Beach Boys song going on over here. But, uh, you know, it sounds like with the Cowboys and Dak Prescott, as someone from the outside looking in, it almost seems to me like the Cowboys really don't know what they want to do with Dak Prescott. I mean, they have him on the franchise tag for $31.5 million this year, and now they got to wait until next offseason to sign him when it seems as though the price is probably... Well, I mean, I guess we'll get to that in just a second, the price for next year, but my main takeaway from this whole thing is that the Cowboys don't know what they want to do with Dak Prescott, which also tells me they don't really believe he's their franchise quarterback. Just first, first impressions of the fact that they were not able to get to a contract agreement here. Well, first impressions are um, it's a disaster, um, and I say that in in the least dramatic way possible, right? I mean, they still have one of the better young quarterbacks uh, playing for their team this season, and they still have the opportunity, obviously, to at the very least tag him for next year, and on and on and on. But um, I, I would disagree with the notion that they seemingly don't know what they want to do, and th- that's what actually makes it more puzzling to me because I think it's very apparent that they want Dak Prescott to be their quarterback for the future. I think they're just either wildly cheap or just do not understand this because, I mean, if if you're ready to commit to Dak Prescott, you know, to be your guy forever, as they have said over and over and over again, and they've done a lot of things that, that kind of uh, exemplify that idea, you you are going to have to pay him. And, and there's there's no logic to, if that is your end goal, to doing this. Um, I, I hate to use the word cave because um, that implies, you know, that, that somebody's really losing, but they should have caved. They absolutely should have caved before this deadline. Well, and the, the idea of caving here, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems as though this entire thing was about one year. Dak Prescott wanted a four-year deal. The Cowboys wanted a five-year deal. You know, when I talked to I had Mike Garofolo from the NFL Network on the show last week, and he basically said that's what he thought the Cowboys would do. They would just take off that final year, make it a four year deal. And that allows him to hit free agency, you know, a year earlier. But by that point, you're talking about a quarterback in his early 30s and how much of his prime is left, how much upside is left to me. I, do you think that this was all about one year? Yeah, I, I as ridiculous as that sounds, <laughs> I, I really believe that. And um, I, I think that. 
unfortunately for the Cowboys, there's precedent for Dak to get a four-year deal. Besides the fact that that's what he wants. I mean, as you well know, Carson mm-hmm. Wentz got a four-year extension a year ago. Jared Goff got a four-year extension. And the clapback from people on that point is, well, they had at the time two years left on their rookie contracts. They had a fifth-year option. Well, it's not Dak Prescott's fault that he was not a first-round pick. And uh, I understand wanting to put him on the same timeline as those players, but and, and I don't know, I, I actually, I don't know that I fully believe this, but if if we were to find out years from now that the Cowboys believed or that their plan was, you know what, we really want this fifth year, we'll just we'll just franchise tag him and then we'll do the four-year deal he wants. You know, we'll trick him he, and, yeah. and he won't even notice. He, mm-hmm. he won't even, yeah. he won't even realize that that's what we're doing. And I I believe that more than any other alternative, just because it's it's that sort of lack of sense situation. This reminds one a lot of the Kirk Cousins situation in Washington from a few years ago, and obviously that created some bitterness between the two sides. And Kirk ended up leaving to go to the Minnesota Vikings, and Washington had to trade for Alex Smith, and he got hurt. And you get you draft Dwayne Haskins, and the and Washington has been maybe the worst franchise in the NFL over these last few years. And they weren't great with Kirk Cousins, but he was obviously a more talented quarterback than what they've had since then. Kirk was basically telling Dak Prescott, I saw this uh, in, in the in, in some story this week, that basically use the franchise tag, make it your friend and use it. You, you know, play on that deal. $31.5 million is going to set you up for life anyway. So you play that franchise tag. Do you still do you st- agree with Kirk Cousins that uh, Dak Prescott playing on the franchise tag is is the way to go here? I absolutely do, and those um those comments uh, he talked about how he he told that or he gave that advice to Dak after the Cowboys lost to the Vikings uh, in the middle of last season. That that was. Uh, amazingly, perhaps ironically, the game where the Cowboys costed Dak Prescott a win more than any other, perhaps in the Jason Garrett era as a whole. Um, but I, I think where where the tag is so unique for a quarterback specifically, and this was obviously the case with Kirk, and I think it is definitely the case with Dak. You know, uh, we got into you know some some Twitter wars, obviously, as all this was happening over at BTB. And there were so many people that, that were of the mindset, well, you know, because, you know, next year's tag value, I know you, you hinted at this, is uh, about $38 million. And mm-hmm. so Dak Prescott is effectively guaranteed $69 million over the next two years. And a lot yeah. of people were saying, well, you don't know that they're going to tag him. It's like, dude, they are not going <laughs> through this entire process right. to, to watch him walk free. And so that, that that's where the tag is so unique in in terms of a quarterback because it's it's really a at the very least a two year proposition and so that's why you know people talk about like oh you know one of the details was that seventy million dollars was part of the Cowboys final offer to Dak Prescott over the first two years well guess he's already got that you know right, <laughs> like like right, you're, right. you're not offering him anything new and and that's kind of the problem here. Yeah, when you're trying to get a player to sign a contract, you have to make it worth their while. Kind of reminds me a lot of what Major League Baseball uh, owners were trying to do with the players you right. this year. Just keep making the same contract offer, but but putting it in different clothes. It, it sounds as though the Cowboys are trying to do the same thing with Dak Prescott. But even more than that, based on what I read this week, it doesn't even sound like that they were talking until the very last minute. That they hadn't made any kind of... Um, they hadn't engaged in any negotiations for the last couple months until the until the the very last minute here before the deadline uh, yesterday and or the, the deadline on on uh, what was it Wednesday and it sounded like Dak was was wanting to do something based on what they were talking about but that they ran out of time is can that be possible that they really just bungled this that badly I I think that that is is more lip service I think that that's 
you know, the Cowboys have, have done an extraordinary job of, of trying to, you know, leak different things to make Dak Prescott look like the greedy one. And, and you know, things like, well, you know, there, you've got a salary cap. You can only fit so many players under it and we need help. And, you know, they've done everything they can to, to really kind of turn a lot of Cowboys fans against Dak Prescott. And that's the kind of, you know, feuds we've had with people online and whatnot. But I think that that's just that because I find that impossible to believe. You know, at this point, mm-hmm. it's not a matter of, well, you've had these past few months since you've tagged him. Dak Prescott has been eligible for a contract since the beginning of last new league year. I mean, it's been over a year. So don't give me that, you know, that you ran out of time because you had plenty of time and you got you had plenty of time to watch him play an entire season to make a decision. Yeah, I mean, and here's the other thing, too, that, that people aren't thinking about, thinking a whole lot about. And this this is one of the things that make me that make me question whether or not Dak is making the right move is we don't really we know that I mean it seems almost certain that the salary cap is going to go down next year and maybe they prorate it with maybe they come to an agreement with the players union and they they spread it out over a few different years but there's not going to be as much money for teams to spend these next few years I know the Cowboys want to roll over what was about like 10 million dollars into next year if they can what if the salary cap drops way down are they even going to be able to afford Dak Prescott And, and if so what does that do for the rest of the team I mean, these are these are our concerns. Yeah, and the, hey, listen, and the Eagles are in the exact same boat. Sure. They're looking at like being fifty million dollars over the cap even before the number drops. So, I mean, I don't know what the Eagles are going to do, but the Eagles have their franchise quarterback, and he's not going anywhere. You got to have a quarterback if you're going to be successful in this league. And you know, based on how we how uncertain the cap is next year, the fact that Dak Prescott is not under contract for next year with any certainty is 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 a big problem. No, I agree completely. I mean, to the point we made earlier, and this is a point obviously many have made in this process, Kirk Cousins in that situation in Washington, you know, that blew up in in normal salary cap times, you know, with the salary cap gradually yeah. increasing every single year. And so when you factor in next year's uh, salary cap that at best stays equal, um, yeah, it's it's not a great proposition. And and, and again, I think that's where a lot of frustration stems for Cowboys fans because, you know, I mentioned the last year and in, in change, you know, at the beginning of the league year last year, Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper and Byron Jones were all eligible for contract extensions and the Cowboys prioritized Demarcus Lawrence and nobody has an issue with that. You know, you got to get your pass rusher and mm-hmm. he threatened not to get shoulder surgery, but then they prioritized an off the ball linebacker and Jalen Smith and very infamously a running back and Zeke Elliott. And so yeah. that sends a really awkward message and you know it was a few months ago I remember it was a a Saturday morning that I transcribed this and tweeted it out Stephen Jones was on Mike Florio's uh, podcast not the uh, the radio show but and you know Mm -hmm. did an interview from his home and he talked about how there are all sorts of analytics that support you know the the way you do your salary cap structure and things like that it's like dude you cannot boast any talk about analytics when you just handed ninety million dollars to a yeah. running back, um, and that's <laughs> yeah. that's kind of how they are, and, and I think that's where where all this is. They kind of talk out of both sides of their mouth, which makes things frustrating. Yeah, and I just I wonder as a Cowboys fan, give me a sense on on what the Cowboys fan is feeling right now about all this. I think there are two camps. Um, I wouldn't say that they're fifty fifty. I think they're maybe seventy thirty, and I think. I hope at least that uh, that 70% of people are of the mindset that Dak Prescott is a premier franchise quarterback, call it whatever you want, top five, six, seven. I think that line kind of moves. I think there are times where he's better than Carson, Carson's better, Matt Ryan's better than them both. You know, that, that line does shift. 
Um, and I think they all believe that he should be paid, you know, market rate and market rate is simply a lot of money. Um, and then there are 30 percent of Cowboys fans who are very um, prisoner of the moment, who mm-hmm. are very tunnel vision focused and who are of the mindset Dak is being greedy and, and people that just, uh, to be frank, don't understand the way this works, you know, and you've had these conversations, I know, uh, with different people at different times when different Eagles have been eligible for contracts. He's he's not better than Russell Wilson. You can't pay him no, more than Russell yeah. Wilson. Well, guess what? I mean, if, if you want to buy... <laughs> You want to buy a home, you want to buy a house, I mean, a car, whatever, you know, that's not the way this works. And right. if you don't grasp that basic core fundamental philosophy, you're, you're never going to get this. And that's that's about 30 percent of people at this point. All right. Well, I mean, here's the thing to it, you know, is that the, the most important thing that a football team needs is that is that young quarterback. Where do they turn? If this doesn't work out and that's that's what Cowboys fans, I'm sure, are asking themselves is, OK, let's let's say he plays on the tag this year. If he's if he's really good, the price is going to go up. If he stinks, OK, maybe you're glad you didn't pay him. But but what do you do now? So that's that's the other issue is if Dak leaves in a year, maybe in, in two years, maybe you just worry if it's in two years, maybe you worry about it then. But. I guess what I'm thinking is they probably are the ones who should have taken Jalen Hurts in the second round this year. You know what I mean? Like, I'm serious about that. You know, if you weren't sure, and that would have been a terrible message to send to Dak, but sure. if you weren't sure, that was that could have been a guy. That That's a move that could have made a lot more sense for a team like Dallas. No, I I agree. I was uh, I was preparing to to get in a snide comment about that, so you, uh, <laughs> you defuse that situation uh, before that, but... I mean, and so within that 30%, I'd say that half of that group believes that Andy Dalton is a serviceable opportunity. And and there are people, man, you know, Andy, and, and I've gotten in this debate with people, Andy Dalton never had a great team around. It's like, dude, the 2015 Bengals was maybe the best roster in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, you get those people. Then, you know, the Cowboys did draft Ben DiNucci out of James Madison in the seventh round. I, I don't know, Mike McCarthy might really like him. And I, and that's interjected a different variable here, um, you know, that has inspired all sorts of takes. Well, you know, Mike McCarthy must not be sold on Dak because if, if he was he, he would have he would have told the Joneses to pay him and so you don't know and to your point I I do think the um the point of no return financially is probably two years from now if if mm-hmm. you follow the way that you know all kind of ends up but I mean if if we're to live in the hypothetical of what do you do next year I mean we don't know right now what the college football season will look like if there is right. even going to be one so what does that do for the draft you know what I mean yep. like even if you're the biggest believer in in Trevor Lawrence or whoever there's no clue in in terms of how players are going to be selected if they're going to be selected at all so that that's why I'm saying that there's you know there are times where the Cowboys will do something that a lot of us don't agree with, but you can you can see basic principles of logic in it. You you really can't here. I I mean I I truly cannot understand how they think this is the better decision to make. Tad Prescott, Dak's brother, tweeted out: "There's a reason I was never a Dallas Cowboys fan growing up or before they drafted Dak. After today, who knows how much longer I'll be cheering for them." <laughs> Just your thoughts on Tad Prescott's helpful tweet. Uh, well, um, <laughs> so um, I would be remiss if I did not mention that 
Dak and Tad lost their brother earlier this offseason, and so our, our thoughts have been with the Prescott family. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, oh, that's their, right. Their, their other God, brother. Yeah. Um, yeah. so that happened kind of right. I think it was right before the draft. Um, but, and, and Dak people might've seen was in a commercial with his two brothers. It was a, a mm. Campbell's chunky soup commercial. Um, and so it was that, you know, that was always really fun for Cowboys fans to see. And, and Tad has had some comments here and there, but he's generally a very quiet person. Um, you know, like, like Ezekiel Elliott's mother, she's really playful and fun on Twitter. And so, you know, seeing a comment from her is not really rare. Uh, this was, you know, this was notable and, and Tad did retweet some things as well. Uh, in addition to offering up his own organic thoughts. And I mean, he obviously at the very least speaks for just himself. But I mean, it, you know, it's it's not hard to connect dots that maybe that's what Dak is feeling as well. That's worrisome. You know, that is certainly worrisome. Uh, somebody who believes that Dak Prescott is a very talented quarterback and can really help the Cowboys. And, and, and I think that that's what happens in these situations is you rub guys the wrong way, even if you're doing what you believe is the best, you know, decision for your team. And so you have to consider those variables as well. And it doesn't feel like the Cowboys did. Now, going into 2020 here with this contract situation kind of still up in the air, he's on the franchise tag. Do you think it affects Dak's play on the field or is he mature enough to put, put this aside now and focus on the season? I think that Dak is fine there. You know, yeah. it's it's not an easy thing, as you're aware, to be the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, it's certainly not an easy thing to do that in in the way that Dak Prescott's done it, you know, entering for Tony Romo and, and having so many people upset about that. And there are still people that, that hold a grudge about that. And so I think that Dak is a really great person and a really great player when it comes to kind of just buckling down and, and getting done what he needs to get done. And so I'm not worried about that aspect, but... You know, this does feel like, um, you know, like like my family and I, my wife and I, we just moved. And, when, mm-hmm. you know, in our old house, you know, it was like, oh, let me put this in the back of that, that cupboard or that drawer and I won't have to deal with it ever again. Well, then we moved and I had to deal <laughs> with it. And so this kind of feels like that and, and we'll have to deal with it at the start of the next league year. I thought your tweet was really great yesterday. You said the Dallas Cowboys tripped into Dak Prescott after stumbling into Tony Romo and still don't have an appreciation for quarterbacks to the point that they would pay top dollar for one in the year 2020. Pretty unbelievable. I think uh, that I echo that uh, sentiment, uh, which is why I retweeted it yesterday. I thought that was a really well said. Um, real quick, uh, Ezekiel Elliott made the papers uh, this morning. <laughs> Nobody says made the papers anymore. It's a shame. Right. It's been a lot of, he said, there's a lot of great backs in this league, but I don't understand why the media has to talk down on my game just to uplift other backs. We're all talented football players and can ball. Check the stats. Since I entered this league, I have dominated year in, year out. Put some, in all caps, respect on my name. Women lie. Men lie. The stats don't. Go do your homework. Almost 1,800 scrimmage yards and and 14 touchdowns with no training camp, and now I'm not the same back. I have a quick question. Did he read a bleeding green piece that I wrote a few (laughs) weeks ago where I ranked ranked Saquon Barkley ahead of him? Because it was really close, and I swear, I feel like they're both right there together. Well, um, I know that a lot of Cowboys fans, perhaps Zeke included, have uh, read the incredible work that Michael Kiss did at Bleeding Green uh, a few mm. months ago, noting that Dak Prescott is the premier quarterback in the division. <laughs> um, so, so By a uh, hair. Uh, but um, I, we've actually been trying to figure out you know, what the origin of Zeke's um, point <laughs> is, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's you know the Madden ratings are coming out. Uh, there was some list, I believe, uh, over the weekend. I was moving, like I said, that that did not have him in the top ten running backs and things like that. I well, also, you know, there there is. We are coming off the Dak discussion at a heated level, and many people are always of the mindset, "Well, you paid the running back, but not the quarterback," and so you push Zeke down to make that point. 
Derek Henry got paid. Um, you know, so I, I think it's just kind of a hodgepodge um, of mixed emotions for Zeke. I, I will say he has been very vocal this offseason. Um, he's, he's typically very quiet on social media. He's been streaming a lot. He's been playing Warzone. Uh, and he's just been this this Twitter. I hate to call it a tirade, but this Twitter venting session is, is pretty rare for him. But, you know, uh, if it made him feel better, then so be it. Absolutely. You know, sometimes you just got to get some stuff off your chest. And, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. I just uh, as far as I knew, everybody loved Ezekiel Elliott as a running back and thought he was pretty damn good. And he got paid. So what's 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 to be upset about? Well, listen, RJ, the work you're doing at blogging the boys, even though we really don't like your team very much, your site is fantastic. And it's a great place to catch up on everything that's going on. Uh, in Dallas with uh, with our arch nemesis, the Cowboys. And make sure you are following RJ Ochoa on Twitter because you want to know what the enemy's doing, gang, at RJ Ochoa. RJ, thanks for coming back on Eye on the Enemy. I really appreciate it. Folks, if you haven't left a five-star rating and left a review at the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed on Apple Podcast, please go ahead and do that. It helps the podcast grow tremendously. And continue to check out all of our work at bleedinggreennation.com each and every day, especially uh, with all of the the different negotiations going on right now between the NFL and the Players Association about health and safety protocols for playing football during a, a global pandemic and, and training camp supposed to get underway here within the next week or two. But uh, as I record, there's still no deal in place between the two sides. We will have all of that for you on a uh, as soon as the information comes out, as soon as we have new data, new details, all that information will be at bleedinggreennation.com. So make sure you're checking out that website, not only every day, but multiple times a day, just to make sure you are all caught up on everything that's going on. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. I'll talk to you all next week right here on Eye on the Enemy. B-G-N-E